coming to you from deep between the two couch cushions you forgot to check. This is the Lost Remote Podcast. I'm Arthur, and I'm joined, as usual, by Zach and Brian. And this week, we are talking about Batman Returns. Batman Returns takes us back to Tim Burton's vision of Gotham. And this time, Christmas is here. Like any good Christmas story, it starts with a newborn. This one is cast aside, though, to be one of Gotham's many secrets. We flash forward to our present day, and Gotham is being harassed by a gang of circus freaks. From the chaos emerges an unlikely hero, the rumored Penguin Man, who is the baby once tossed out, now returned to take his place in society when he finds out he is a cobblepot. We're introduced to Maxwell Shrek, who has a plan to defraud the city with his new power plant. That plan is discovered by a secretary, who he then pushes out a window. She is reborn in the process and becomes Catwoman. From there, our hero Batman has to find out who the real Oswald Cobblepot is, why Shrek has made Cobblepot a mayoral prospect, and who the mysterious Catwoman is as all these plot lines intermingle. It's a gothic Batman Christmas, Charlie Brown, and it's filled with weaponized penguins, giant rubber ducky tanks, and kisses under the mistletoe, all set to a beautiful score from Danny Elfman. Batman Returns. I, you know, we've got DeVito, we've got Pfeiffer, we've got uh, Michael Keaton. Just tremendous cast. Guys, what, first off, just like first thing in your head, what stands out to you about this movie? Well, well I'll tell you. It's a lot better than Tim Burton's more recent stuff. That's for sure. Um, oh, just the emotions. Like, if if I had to take one word and describe this movie, the feelings you get, I think there's a big element of tragedy in this flick, big time, uh, for all the characters except for, I don't know, I wouldn't say that Shrek had a tragedy. It was just had it coming, really. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, like, you, you touched on the, the shared tragedy thing. There's a really great scene um, where you can, where Bruce is trying to figure out if if Cobblepot is the real thing. And that line where he talks about his parents, I hope, I hope he finds them. You know, there's this interesting connection between Bruce Wayne and Oswald Cobblepot there, you know, lost his parents at a young age, uh, but they obviously went two different paths with that. Um, yeah. So it was, a, it was a really cool story concept, I thought, um, to show it that way and to see him wanting to connect that experience for sure. I don't know, Zach, what about you? First thing that kind of stands out? Uh, the first thing that stands out to me in this movie is actually the very opening sequence whenever we get to see Pee Wee Herman go from being a child at, or, you know, beloved by children to throwing his child into the river. Yeah, so. it's quite a thing to get a baby toss into a river before the credits. I Maybe you do that on a, uh, on like a, a Moses movie? Yeah. <laughs> but that's Zach, about it. <laughs> Zach and I were talking before the movie. I was like, yeah, it was because of Pee-wee's big adventure there in this movie, you know, to be, uh, the parents, both the parents are in Pee-wee's big adventure. Who's the mom? Simone. Is it? Yes. Yeah, it's Simone from Pee-wee's big oh, adventure. Oh, wow. I so, have never paid attention to the actress in there cuz I remember it was just such a jarring thing to see Paul Rubens as something other than Pee-wee at that age. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I also like the penguin eating the cat to start the movie. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what's funny? I, I don't even think about that as a foreshadowing thing until you mention it there. It was, you know, to me, it was just to show how grotesque the kid was. But then to think about, of course, the link up later with Selena Kyle and stuff that I, it just didn't hit me that same way. Yeah. Um, I, Brian, you talk about this being good Tim Burton stuff. There's, there's a concept I talk about, like when it comes to directors, I don't know who has a hotter start as a director than Burton. Uh, Cause to me, his first six out of the gate were all top notch winners for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like as yes. far as like full features, I'm not talking shorts or anything like that. Pee-wee's big adventure. Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, and Ed Wood. Followed by, actually, give me the first seven, because um, I don't know, I'm skipping this visit with Vincent. Mars Attack. So his first seven are all in the infinitely rewatchable category for me and all top-notch movies to me. I'll even go another one. I really enjoy Sleepy Hollow, which was one after Mars Attacks. It's it's not the greatest movie, but it's it's the story that, you know, it's the story and I, I enjoy um, Sleepy uh, Hollow. I think that's when it just before he goes over the deep end. Sleepy <laughs> like, Hollow gets a little too. It's it's maybe just relying too much on style. Then I enjoyed yeah. it. I enjoyed it. But I'm just saying those first seven are just all timers for me in that stretch. And just to say, like you're let's give it seven and a half. Like what other director out of the gate with his you know, studio directorial movies, you know, not independent shorts he did or whatever else. Who else has come out of the gate firing like that, that consistently? I, I just, that consistently? I, I, I can't really think about it. Uh, not sure. I know Spielberg was a big deal, but I'm pretty sure he had some low ballers. And, uh... Let's do a little David, uh, David's advocate, devil's advocate with Spielberg. Um, yeah, what, what are his up. first movies? Let's take a look. Yeah, because that, that's a good point, Spielberg. Well, but you, when you talk about Spielberg, though, you also got to bring into the fact his uh, the stuff he was producer of. I'd rather not do his. Well, that's that's not the that's not the the conversation I'm having though. Well, I understand that's not the conversation. Burton had happened. stuff he produced as well. That's not that's not what I'm talking. I'm talking directing movies. Uh, so yeah, so I don't have to do that. <laughs> well, you you have a um, point, but then you're so you're gonna throw out Back to the Future and yep. the Poltergeist, which he did everything but get credited for the director. I mean, he recast Back to the Future three quarters of the way through the movie. Okay, but he didn't direct it. Like that's fine. Like, well, I mean, you can say he didn't, but he basically <clears throat> did. Well, no, uh -huh. but like, there's a different discussion if you want to talk about yeah. producers. If you want to talk about producers, you bring in Jerry Brockheimer. If you want to talk about producers. Yeah. You talk about, you know, Kevin Feige. If you want to talk about producers, you can pull in other people. This is about directing, not about not about movie output. No, no, um, no. We're not I we're mean, not going to shortchange him. You know, we're, I mean, we're, we're just talking fantastic. about directing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so theatrical releases, Sugarland Express, which I'm not familiar with. Yeah, nah, yeah not a clue. Um, but then Jaws, Close yeah. Encounters, yep. 1941. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, ET, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he came out of the Doom. game pretty big time too. Jesus. Twilight Zone. Uh, I mean, Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone. You're you're doing a segment. Yeah, so the color I purple. 
Empire of the Sun, The Last Crusade, yeah, Hook, yeah. Jurassic Park, Schindler's oh, List. Hook. I mean, so yeah, I'm gonna say yeah, that yeah, he yeah. came out a lot harder swinging than Burton did. Burton's great in his early stuff, and but Spielberg just the variety of movie that he made. I will say on. Spielberg has better consistency throughout time. That's for sure. Well, yeah, um, better now, on on stuff that. I want to go watch. I'm going to pick the Burton opening seven, oh, but yeah. no, I did unquestionable. Like if you pick his first seven directed for Spielberg, those are all, that's a, that's a bigger yeah. thing. So that's a, that was a good pull. I, it's just for me, I always kind of talk about the Burton, oh, yeah. the opening salvo he launched there. And eventually he just becomes a bit of a style guy, but yeah. So let's get back into Batman returns. Um, this has everything. That I'm that I'm looking for. It has lasting lines, phenomenal score, um, really cool action. I love the the Red Triangle Gang or Red Triangle Circus Gang. Um, just cool set design. The the models are used and mixed in. Um, I think he balances his villains well. I think mm-hmm. is there a hole in this? Yes. Movie? Um. Oh, let me think. Brian, go ahead. Um, I'm just thinking. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I got one for you. Oh, so, no, no, no. It's it's, it's just <laughs> a nitpick, and it, it's it's nothing against it. It's just the style they went with. But the morality of Batman when it comes to taking down the criminals in this is not there for me. Like, his big deal is, you know, as I always knew, is that he didn't want to kill the villains. They want to try to capture him. But when he's fighting the Red Triangle gang, there is no problem in him and just eliminating him, just killing him. How many did he kill? Just the one, right? Uh, Strong man. In the, in yeah, the opening sequence, there was three of them. Here's, here's the thing about the Batman doesn't kill thing. He never talked about that in the first movie, and he definitely killed there. So yeah. if you're going by the movie universe, yeah, so, well, I mean, let, let, that's yeah, that's let, a nitpick that's come I'm on like, later in life. Right so. now, right here, this is a different universe, Batman. This is this is how comic book stuff works. This is its yeah. own thing. Uh, this is not the general. This like the Catwoman in this, Selena Kyle. It's not the standard Catwoman. It is not comic book Catwoman. No, it's, it's not. a different it's, take on it entirely. So that's all I was saying. It was it, that's just nitpicky. And mm-hmm. it's really not that big of a deal to me because it doesn't it doesn't take me out of the movie. It's just something I noticed, and it's I, it doesn't hurt it to me in any way or shape or form. You make so. you make so there's the one point where your point could be uh, one part where your point could be made, and that's in the end when he's convincing Selena not to kill Maxwell Shrek. But to me, that's not about the morality of killing the bad guy. It's about what it does to you killing the person for revenge. And in that sense, I had to think about it this time when I was watching it because I never really worried about it too much. But, uh, you know, the bomb in the in the strongman thing kind of sticks out when you're rewatching it later. Mm-hmm. I he has a personal knowledge of being responsible for killing the person that caused you pain uh, yeah. with the first movie with him not saving, you know, the Joker or whatever when he died. You know, that's the person that killed his parents in this universe. And he knows that coming out of that event, it didn't do anything for him that helped. So I think that's why it's not hypocritical and why it doesn't, you know, with this one, with the rules he has established or whatever, it's not a big deal. 
Um, but I, but I did have to like think through it today and kind of go, was this him being, you know, why would he talk her out of this? And I'm like, it's because he knows because he lived it and he realizes. Yeah. It was all for Selena's sake. Not. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. So you mentioned the blowing up the strong man and, uh, do you, either one of you recognize who the strong man is? I did not. No. So after he lost the arm wrestling contest and over the top, that's when he went and joined the red triangle gang. Great. Is over the top? Is it the final boss and over the top? Yeah, yeah, it's the guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's sunk down pretty low though, but at least he's had you know his last credential was I I went head to head with Batman, took a punch. Right. I think so. One of one of the things that I like in this movie is just that diversity of the Red Triangle gang. That's got to be one of the coolest I, villain groups I've seen in a movie. And yeah. I was trying to think through who I, you know, I, I of course, love foot ninjas. You know, the, the foot clan's always cool. There's not a lot of diversity among a foot clan. You know, they all look the same. Uh, but I was trying to think of other, like, villain groups that I thought were as cool and unique as the Red Triangle gang. Well, most of them tend to have a theme, so they don't really, their design and their look don't tend to be that diverse. That's why a circus gang mm-hmm. has that advantage in that, because, you know, you just got people who, you got the carnies, basically. What are, they, what are they doing? You got the freak shows, and you got the entertainers, you know, that kind of thing, strong man, I, I, poodle lady. I like thinking of Tim Burton in, a, like, a production meeting, and just the inside of his head, and he's like, I wonder what I can ask for. I wonder what I can ask for. Uh, Tim, they're going to need, Batman's going to need some kind of gang to, circus gang! And he just like has to like cut <laughs> it out because it's like the thing he's wanted to see come out of his head since he was a child. You know, like, I want to pull a sword out of his mouth and I want to use it. <laughs> like, yeah. just, it's, it, Tim Burton has yeah. a full toy box here he gets to play with. Um, so how, I like the, yeah, the, the, what, the sword swallower? I like how he's fighting with a sword in hand and one swallowed. <laughs> just in case if the one gets knocked out of your mouth you have a backup that's right i mean exactly. it makes complete you gotta sense. you gotta stay on brand here that's 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 the whole point of their of their thing you know he, he's he's, yeah. he's doing it for the team he took one yeah. for the team <laughs> so i have i have a question offhand from the circus gang when when bruce wayne has company does Alfred have to remember to turn off the bat signal relay device? Did you notice that in this one? When the bat signal goes off in town, there are two extra spotlights at the Wayne Manor that yeah, power yeah. on so they can shoot a cool mood light into Bruce's office where he's brooding. I want to pretend, I want to <laughs> say on this, that I want to I say that those aren't actual uh, uh, lights. I want to. I want to pretend those are mirrors. Sure. Because if those were actual lights, he's pretty much giving away his his day. Well, uh, one of them had a signal on it when it was turning. I thought so. I thought they did. Now I like the idea of it relaying the reflection. But even then, like if if he had company, and they were like like in the first movie, he's got people at the art. You know, maybe he doesn't do any more art fundraisers at his house. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's too many people like opening his cast of champagne or whatever. But I just, I thought that was hilarious. Like, you know he lives, I guess, a little bit outside of town and he owns enough nearby land, no one notices it. But it's still not very stealthy. No, <laughs> it's not. Those. <laughs> well, I also like the fact that you bring that up. But if there's ever any roof damage or, you know, he has to have anybody come work <laughs> on his house, he's screwed because, hey, look, there's a bat signal up there. 
<laughs> he's just a big fan. I mean, that's when you can go. Uh, that's when that's when you have Knox just talking about. Yeah, he's eccentric. And also, well, it's, so it's, if there's a hole in this movie, thing. it's that Knox doesn't show up for the press conferences. I, I miss Knox. I want our list back in the movie. Yeah, Robert Wolf. He was yeah. great in the first one. He was just, hey, Wayne, can I get a grant? Yeah. Help Knox out with his grant. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. I, he, he didn't need to take up too much, but it would have been nice to see him at a press conference or two. So um, you talk about that, and I think that there's some, uh, at least one other scene in this movie where Bruce has a hard time remembering who he sees as Batman and who he sees as himself. And it's the first meeting that he has with where he meets Selena Kyle and he, you know, says he's got her before on that. Yeah. I got a different take on that. Okay. It's about the theme of the movie. Uh, I think, uh, the theme of the movie, particularly in regards to, hold on a second. Anyway, in in regards to the theme of the movie, I have a feeling that it is about there's a conversation that uh, Selena, not yeah, Selena and Bruce have on their little date, and he mentions he he had a girlfriend that was pretty serious, and uh, what really brought him apart was uh, his duality, you know, him being two people, right? That's what this movie is about for the two villains. They're both in a transitional period. The Penguin is trying to be more of a legit figure, even though he and he's never going to get rid of who he is as an underground monster man in a circus. But now he wants to be more, you know, legit and be amongst the people. And he knows he can get away with it. And that's a, that's a that's a problem for him because he did. It wasn't his idea to become mayor. It, it, he just wanted to be out there wanted to eat his fish and hang out yeah 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 (laughs) and with selena obviously she was being a regular person regular lady nothing special just just as she says someone meaningless and then she gets you know tossed out of a window nearly dies or does die and loses one of her nine lives and has a transformative moment herself and they're both struggling with that in this movie. A lot more. You see it a lot more on Selena's side, but mm-hmm. the Penguin is also struggling with it, and eventually says "screw it" because he gets screwed, and he he reverts back to form. And you think maybe Selena is going to do the same at the end of the movie, but she remains Catwoman-esque. Yeah. Um, and back to the point regarding Batman in this movie. Uh, he actually, I believe, has come to terms and is dealing with his duality very well. And that's why he has a little incident blurring the two together. He's yeah, he's adjusted. He's adjusted. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. He says he's comfortable as both people. Yes. And that I his really worlds like, are kind of blending together. I really like that he goes on the hunt a little bit for Selena rather than the classic, like, the like in Batman animated stuff, there was always the I can't be happy, like Bat Mask of the Phantasm and stuff. You know, he yeah. he had to like push away his relationship to continue to be Batman, and he's tortured by his parents still. Like I like that in this, he's like, I really like this Selena. Let me check it out. You know, rather than uh, it, it just it's it's a little more of like him. Like if he's not in balance, if he's not comfortable with it, he, I don't think he'd be like that. 
So I think that's a good yeah. call on that. Yeah, yeah. He, so, yeah. I, I was going to ask you guys this. Do you? To me, this it feels like Bruce Wayne, Batman, is a secondary character in this when watching it. That more of your primary characters are Selina and, uh, you know, Oswald Cobblepot. Did y'all feel that way? I mean, because... I think that's the way a good sequel works. Um, I don't need to see his parents die again. Yeah. I don't need to know a lot more about what drives him. I'm interested in Gotham and what's happening and how he reacts to it. So I, you've got two new people we need to learn more about, and they do such a great job rounding them out. Not just two more people, but Shrek is a big part of the movie. So mm -hmm. you need to not, not Shrek, but Maxwell Shrek. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it, it, it makes sense to have him the level he was at. I got what I like is that it doesn't fall to the problem that I call the RoboCop 2 effect. And I know this is maybe before, maybe after RoboCop 2 or whatever, but it's a sequel. It's a, it's a thing I call for sequels. Same thing with Ghostbusters 2. I hate when a sequel decides we need to immediately break the character back to the beginning and build them back through. Um, I think a good sequel has your hero as an established character and shows how they deal with new things. Whereas Ghostbusters 2, they had to work with the city again. They had to build up their trust. They had to do blah, blah, blah. RoboCop 2, he gets reprogrammed. He has to learn how to be Murphy again. He only becomes RoboCop in the last 10 minutes again. Yeah. Stuff like that is frustrating to me on a sequel level. On a third, like Iron Man 3 did, I think it's okay to start to break apart your character and figure out what makes him tick again as they've gone further in the world. But this is a great sequel because it doesn't just rehash a first movie to you. So, yeah. so I think that's by design and I think that's the right play. Yeah, I actually agree. I, I, I agree. I just was wondering if y'all saw Batman more of a secondary character in this, like I did. And I think that you're right on that. If you keep reintroducing the, the same origin story or reprogramming your, you know, your protagonist, every movie, then you're, you're going to tell the same story every time. Yeah. And so with this breaking off, I, I think they did a good job. I think Burton did a great job with it. We have, we have a Batman who was able to have some form of relationship with Vicki Vale and it didn't blow up in his face. Um, you know, she was, she had her own career. I think, don't they make some kind of reference to her off on a shoot somewhere doing her own thing still? No, they, he talks about her in that, like I said, because he, he talked about Vicky, Vicky left. Because mm -hmm. of the Batman stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. could handle it. He was fine with it. But yeah. she didn't expose him and stuff. So it didn't no. exactly, like, ruin no, his no, 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 no. It was, life. It, so he's still able to trust. I him. have a feeling she was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But good luck, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so there's confidence there. You know, he's dealt with his parents' killer. You know, he's just kind of on save Gotham mode. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, so I have another movie. question. For, oh, yeah. Okay. Shoot, shoot. I have another Do question. I want, so yeah. um, what'd y'all think of Chip Shrek? <laughs> we were... uh, I don't even know if that's really his son. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I can kind of see the structure. He's an older dad. Like it looks, he has some stature with his jacket. Maxwell does to where he could have been, <laughs> you know, but, but Chip is such a, just a prep school dummy, yeah. you know, Yeah. but uh, <laughs> He he that 
that that that business empire was going to crumble. Oh yeah. After Shrek was I, gone. I it's really gone. enjoy the guy that plays him. Uh, his name is Andrew. I'm going to butcher his last name. Brunarski. Yeah, I don't know how to say it, but he was in Hudson Hawks is his first feature film. He was Butterfinger. Um, he was also in Street oh, Fighter yeah. Zangief. He's he in a hilarious. bunch of football movies like Any Given Sunday in the program. I think he's I like some of his stuff. I, but I really I really like the fact that to start the movie, one of his first lines, like when the Red Triangle Gang attacks the original lighting of the tree, uh, he tells you know, Maxwell Shrek, which is played by Christopher Walken, to get out of there in the worst Christopher Walken impression ever on film. Get out of here, Dad. All right, real quick, because I, of all my times, you know, Christopher Walken, everybody has a Christopher Walken impression or should. Um, I absolutely adore the Bruce Wayne. What are you doing? Dressed as Batman, <laughs> you know, yeah. and Selena with the, yes. he is Batman, you idiot. You know, was. I just, <laughs> well, well was. was. Yeah, he set I, that up. I, I was wonder like, yeah. if uh, the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker movie, the animated one, that one of the members of the gang there has a really, you know, he's doing a Christopher Walken voice. Oh, I know who you're talking about. The guy who has, uh, he looks like a, he looks like a mix of Scarecrow and. Yeah. 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 yeah I yeah. wonder if, like, I know they were saying, I, I think they said something about like, he just did one and they were like, yeah, I like that. I wonder if there was any thought of like, yeah, maybe this is a descendant of Chip. <laughs> yeah. I uh, wouldn't shock. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking about that when I was watching it today. Talk about quotes. This movie has a ton Ooh. of great quotes. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yes. Yes, what yes, are, yes, What yes, are some yes. ones that stand out to you? And paraphrasing is okay. I don't want to oh, be a Because I didn't have you do homework and write them down. But is there anything you could think of that stands out to well, you? I don't know. I think uh, the best the best person who just threw out lines was uh, Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Oh, in this. oh yeah. man. He just has some winners. <laughs> so... All right, so There's when Maxwell Shrek ones. gets pulled into his lair at the beginning, oh, yes. and he introduces himself, and he goes, I believe the word you're looking for is... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Brian, my theory for the movie is that <laughs> this movie is in the same universe as Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and the period <laughs> of time where it's the Penguin, it really is just Frank, and it's during the period of time he refers to as when he was in uh, Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> and he just doesn't remember. He kind of woke up one day. And so he did all this penguin stuff because there's so many things where he is just Frank. Yeah. And I think you're the perfect model for a role. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. he, he just he's absolutely just Frank Reynolds. You're, you're the with perfect a larger young nose. person a role model could have. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> okay, so one of my other, uh, one of not my other, but one of the lines I really like is whenever uh, Penguin at the end of the movie, when he comes out of the um, Shrek contaminated water or whatever, and he goes over to his basket of umbrellas <laughs> and he pulls out the, <laughs> he pulls, he pulls shit, out the, I the, the one, cute one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shit, I picked the cute one. I love that. <laughs> That's so funny. And uh, then he's like, I'm going to, I'm getting a little hot. I'll come back and kill you. But first I need a glass of ice water. <laughs> yeah, I love so that that's part. the other part that backs up my uh, always sunny in Philadelphia thing. So do, have you guys watched the series? 
enough or yeah, all of it. Or I've seen a little bit of it. Yeah. Lethal Weapon 5 and 6, he plays <laughs> the bad guy in those, and his plot is always around water. So his last <laughs> words are about delicious cold water. And then he wakes up as Frank Reynolds later, and when being a part of Lethal Weapon 5 and 6, his plot is always around water. That was the one that really sealed the uh, theory for me. I think uh, uh, my favorite line is, uh, no, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah. a killing, lot. <laughs> killing uh, I also, I killing also like children while they're uh, sleeping. Isn't that a little? That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. I also like the line that he, uh, when he's given his speech and Batman hacks it and is playing his, you know, I played this city like a harp from hell. And then, uh, when they start throwing the stuff at him. Yeah, he's, he's just got to Someone that brings eggs and tomatoes, tomatoes to his to speech. His speech. <laughs> yes. And then the other one, my absolute favorite, is the, uh, when he gets his stylist, when he's getting announced to run for mayor and he's overwhelmed by all the people. Wow, there's not a lot of reflective surfaces in the sewer, are there? Yeah. <laughs> well, could be worse. My nose could be gushing blood. <laughs> the guy's like, oh, nose could be gushing blood. And he just, I don't... just jumps up and bites it. Yeah, it's oh, so good. God. All right. Uh, talk, was... Talking about the quotes, it's impossible not to talk about the penguin in this. He's so good. Yeah, he's got let's, so many good ones. Let's talk about Selena Kyle Catwoman. Oh. I'll talk about my favorite quote that she has in this, and it's an interaction between her and uh, Batman. And she's like, "Did anybody mention fish? I haven't eaten all day." And he grabs her and eat floor and <laughs> slams her down. It's high in protein. <laughs> I really enjoy uh, that exchange. <laughs> I, I think it was fifth or sixth grade at a slumber party when I first watched this movie, along with Sleepwalkers. And. Uh, my goodness, uh, the crush on uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman, is very strong. Uh, I've got to say that I I didn't have a huge crush on her uh, initially, but I haven't watched this movie, by the way, since the Nolan Batmans have come out. Mm -hmm. So rewatching it, a lot of time has gone by in my life, and I'm just like, wow. Like, I, I empathize more with these characters. Sure. Particularly, I feel bad for Batman. And, uh, yeah, I got a soup, like, just watching it the other day, like, yesterday, I, I just had a super crush on Michelle Pfeiffer in this. Mm -hmm. And I've seen her in all kinds of other movies, and it's just only this one. Crazy chicks, crazy gothy chicks just do it. <laughs> Gotta say. Yeah, it was, uh, the 90s are perfect for the gothy crushes for yeah. sure i thought you were gonna say you really enjoyed her in scarface when she was coked out of her mind the whole no. movie i never watched scarface no <sighs> nah, no this one i just yeah felt no, bad I, for her. I, I, I agree felt, with you i felt bad for all of the main characters <laughs> can we talk about real quick the uh whatever the gotham perfume company owned by shrek where the commercial is like get this scent so your boss will take you on a vacation like how yeah. inappropriate that part ages. Like, that is awesome, by the that way. That ad is and, fantastic. I hey, love when hey, she gold diggers exist. You know, mm -hmm. I love when she walks into a room and she has the hello there neon lights and she smashes the O on hello. I the... I think that personally was a little trick they didn't really need to do. I think the hello there should have just stayed. 
I, I felt I felt that the neon no, lights for for secretary or executive assistant <laughs> or assistant because it's three different things she is in this movie. Uh, I think the hello there was her inner Catwoman. Mm-hmm. That was a sign because it's it's out of nowhere. Uh, did you Compared notice the rest in of her, her closet part? she had like a classic? Like in all these Burton colors of black and white, not much popping. She had a pink, just like uh, Lisa Frank level cat shirt <laughs> in her closet. Yeah, it I noticed a lot of pink in, a Tim in her. World. Huh? I noticed a lot of pink in her apartment. Right, the but there yeah. was just one of those like, just one of those like cutesy color like cat shirts in her closet that I thought yeah, was a I... really nice touch. And just normally on a Burton set, I don't think you would see an item like that. Yeah, I agree. I think that was, I don't know. Uh, And then you can tell, like, when she walks into her house, she's like, honey, I'm home. Oh, wait, no one's there because I'm a loser. She rules in this. Her performance, uh, the the emergence of the crazy and the way she, uh, like, when she rescues her, the first woman, um, you know, and then throws it right back in her face. Look at you always waiting for a big bat to save you. You know, she's basically mm-hmm. yelling at herself for being rescued earlier in the movie and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like, yeah, like I said earlier, this is not standard Catwoman. Standard Catwoman is more like the one you see in The Dark Knight Rises. Like, she's a professional cat burglar who grew up on the streets among among what? What, Zach? Say it. You mean it's not the one that we saw Halle Berry portraying Catwoman? <laughs> yeah, it's not the reincarnated person that's part of a lineage of cat people. Yeah. <clears throat> it's That's not a Catwoman either. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so this is uh, just a different version. It's not even, yeah, like I said. Th- but this one is probably my favorite costume design. I love particularly, mm-hmm. it's not just the shiny black pleather or whatever, uh, but it's the, what really comes out at me is the white stitching. It seems very yes. feline to me, kind of like yarn balls. It gives that, gives that, you know, stereotypical cats play with yarn ball thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it seems very street catish to me. It's just, uh, I like it. It's yeah, probably- I, I like when she, uh, I like when we've got the typical superhero movie and it's Batman's first confronting Penguin about his plan, you know, and, and Penguin tips his hand about an election thing. And so, you know, Batman's going to know to be able to investigate why there's a, you know, why Penguin thinks he's going to become mayor. And all of a sudden, Selena just interjects <laughs> herself into it with eight back handsprings, heavy breathing and a meow and that explosion. It was just such a fun, like, Oh, this movie is not the the normal uh, formula or something. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also like whenever she uh, first runs into the security guards. Yeah, she's like, "Silly boys, always mistaking your pistols for your privates." Yeah, I like that. And then we'll, they tell take homes three hundred a week. You're overpaid. You're overpaid. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. Every there's so many good lines in this. There's so much. Yeah, we were talking about the score. Yeah. Um, oh. Uh, yeah, I've, I mentioned this is my favorite movie score of all time. Like, okay, so I, I mentioned before the show to Arthur about discussions between Tim Burton and uh, oh, 
the name the name escaped me already. Uh, who did the score? It was uh, Elfman. It was Elfman. Yep. Uh, I feel that the movie was supposed like in Tim's mind. I imagine if he had a little bit more leeway, I, I, I think the studios or whatnot, producer, whoever, may have toned it down a little on the tragedy because you can hear it in the music. This was supposed to be super sad. And I'm and that and that and that that came out to me. Because really there's no happy ending for anybody. Because Batman doesn't get what he wants. Catwoman doesn't get what she wants. Because she doesn't even like she's torn in half about what she wants. Penguin dies. Well I rather loses consciousness and becomes a uh, 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 resident of uh, Philadelphia, but um, <laughs> but he seems he seems to have a happy ending after that. But uh, yeah, I, I feel I feel that Tim and Elfman or Burton and Elfman had a discussion about what the what the story was supposed to be like, yeah. and it really comes out in the music, especially Penguins and uh, Selena's themes. Super sad. I I can see that. Um, mm-hmm. to transition off the super sad, um, <laughs> there seems to be more, this is where we start to see, like, we're going to keep adding bat gimmicks into the movies, uh. which I like the ones in this. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get an RC battering. I like, uh, I, <laughs> I think anytime a movie takes itself seriously, uh, you know, humor stuff can or regular stuff can seem a little funny. I I think the funniest part of the movie may be him DJ spinning a CD. <laughs> Played this yeah. pinhead puppets and goffin. Like that part was just a little bit of silly on that technology. Yeah. Um, you know, we get the underground like sewer boat, bat boat thing. Um, I mean, there's just some cool, like it's, yeah. it was introductions of stuff which then Batman Forever would abuse and turn into a battle. Uh, yeah. You know, like, there was just some cool, like, all right, he's... I like that... <clears throat> there was a lot of times where people would talk about Tim Burton not making a Batman movie. He was making a Tim Burton movie with Batman. As I go back, I still disagree. And I think these little things like that, these little gimmicks like that, make it more of a Batman movie than sometimes people would give it credit to. And I don't know how much those arguments have aged, but I know for a while it used to be, yeah, Tim Burton was making Tim Burton movies that were Batman, that had Batman. Yeah. yeah. If you go back and read reviews that have come out on this since the uh, Nolan trilogy, it is trashed. People do not like this one after the Nolan trilogy. This but one I was think always that... a bit of a stepchild. I don't, yeah. I don't know why, but it wasn't popular when it came out. But to me... And I think I discussed this with you guys offline before. There's always a little bit of weird recency bias whenever I'm watching this, the first Keaton one, Begins, or Dark Knight. It always feels like whenever I'm watching one of them that it's my favorite one of the four at the time. Uh. But I go back to this one as my favorite the most. I think the Nicholson Joker is incredible, and there's so many small details in that movie that are great. But there's something about the balance of these three main characters throwing a little Christopher Walken that just, I think mm-hmm. it makes it my favorite of the of the main, I, my favorite Batman movies. Of the pre-Nolans, it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. 
of the pre-Nolans, it's my second favorite. I like the original with the Joker. Um, that's just me. I, no. I just prefer it. But no, I'm saying, no, like, I when you. I watch the one with the Joker, sometimes I'm like, no, I think this one's my favorite. And then I'll watch this one, and I'm like, no, I think this one's my favorite. Like, it just keeps, it's it's a weird balance. And, like, that's a testament how good they are, is, yeah. you know, to me. I, I, I wrestle with it a lot. Yeah. Um, more than anybody should about things they like. But I know we have to put labels on what's yeah, our best. Yeah. You know, well, stuff, back you know. to the vehicles. Anyone think the uh, duck was a nice addition? Dude, I, like I the love duck. the duck. Especially how... I just, like when it comes out of the water, finally. Yes. Yeah, Props to cool. physical items in movies, right? Yeah. Like, it just... It's so absurd to have this giant rubber ducky, but it works, and it looks awesome, and when its head blows off, you know, it looks cool. It just... It's great. Well, I have a theory on this. Um, I think uh, Penguin, is, as, as sophisticated as he is with his... Uh, use of language and it, it, he, he appears to be an intelligent person he, he is supposed to be a, a more or less more than average intelligent uh villain you know but uh i believe in this version of the movie due to his abandonment and his life in a circus the penguin in this movie suffers from arrested development uh he's he he may be he he's, he's more acting adult but a lot of the things he surrounds himself with are rather childish. Mm. Mm -hmm. A circus, a rubber ducky. We'll see. And he's I, obsessed I, with killing children. Let's just let he and sure. Freddy Krueger yeah. have something in common in this movie. <laughs> well, first, yeah, I mean, it's that revenge thing, right? First, yep. bro, first not to let another songs. firstborn get to enjoy time with their parents because he yeah. didn't. Yeah, I think the rubber ducky also sticks with him because if you go back and you watch the opening before they throw him into the uh, mm -hmm. sewer, that the rubber ducky is tied to his cage when he snatches yeah, the cat. Yeah, so I, Brian's saying for sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Brian on that. Yeah, good call. Yeah, even though he's he he's like a you know it's the duality thing all over again. He's mm -hmm. a he's a and and he is for his age very obsessed with not not obsessed but he's very um verbal about his sexual desires more than most men would be at that age sure and he's like, oh, yeah. like yeah i like to fill her void another great line you know it's just like and he, he that that's just a sign that he if he's if he's done it it's probably been with the poodle lady let's just say that um <laughs> and let's... i am I am deathly serious about wanting to know what he looks like without the long johns on. I bet it looks grotesque. I've seen him emerge naked out of a leather couch, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I, think, I think the way, because you see it in the movie, his, his, he has no upper arms that are detached from his torso. He may have the muscles there, I think they're attached, so all he can articulate is from the elbow down. Our our research shows our voters like fingers. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, so like you talk about that, and um, what do y'all think about the scene whenever uh, Catwoman first like breaks into the mayoral campaign where he's living at, and they're they're having their little exchange. I really enjoy how she threatens to eat the bird, so he threatens to eat the cat. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. Well, it's, uh, 
he was not a Mexican standoff. Man. It's like a, I mean, what would it be? Like an Arkham standoff? Is that what we call that? I'll yes. kill your pet if you kill my pet. <laughs> Grr. Yep. Um, I mean, and, there's, and the, there's just and the line that couldn't be in another Batman yeah. movie ever. I know, and that's, that's also another scene where he's trying to hypersexualize the uh, situation. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, her her look doesn't help that much, but she tries to bring it back several times, and he keeps trying to push it back every time. Sentient or unsentient. my unintended. Go to heaven. Heaven, yeah. Um, you lousy I, minx. You sent out all the signals, and I don't think I like you anymore. He's very much an online, uh, like, like fan of a girl on, on Twitter type thing. Do you you responded to my comment, you know, like. Yeah. Oh. I'm I'm gonna say this the way whenever uh, he tries to kill her like, and I'm we know a guy <laughs> that would have reacted maybe not with the killing but he'd turn around and been a complete dick once he found out someone wasn't into her yeah. into him and so we're not gonna throw names down but no, we all I, know the same person <laughs> I, I know who you're talking about uh, so like this is one of those movies we could talk ten hours about it right there's just too yeah. much stuff is there anything else yeah. specific plot scenes you want to talk over the remote control penguin driving the batmobile is classic there's oh god and i love how it's like the oh. uh how it's set up like the little ride-alongs outside of uh walmart yeah. stuff that used to be yeah. there i don't know if they're there anymore but you know put the 50 cents in and just rocks back and forth mm -hmm. and, and how about the whole oh, trailer oh, rocking <laughs> <laughs> His whole that's... trailer rocking during that scene is hilarious. But then again, I mean, these are some intelligent, this Red Triangle gang's not to be really trifled with because they managed to like that's... knock down Batman's security I, system. I, I've got to say, if if I was to go hole po like poking at holes in this movie, that's my, my <laughs> yeah. what? How, where'd you get these schematics, guys? Where'd you also get the remote with the signal to unlock the Batmobile to take the shield down on well, it. They, they, uh, they might have captured oh, it. That, yeah. that, what, what, Zach, what I'm saying is some, somehow they've gotten the schematics to the Batmobile. They know the signals he uses. It is all this other stuff. That's the only, that's just, that's just comic book villainy. We don't need to worry about it, but it is, it is whole. It is a huge. If you had a signal yeah. intercept device, if they're living in the sewers, sewers, that would be easy to sneak a, yeah, you know, they could have. They could have. Oh, I, I, I didn't think about that. Maybe Batman flushed uh, the designs of the Batmobile down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that part I'm not thinking about, but I'm just saying the, yeah. the if you have like a, you know, they oh, talk yeah. about people can have a device to like steal your garage door signal. You yeah. know, if they just yeah. had some kind of signal. They, they did know, you know like so. the signal. The signal that doesn't bother me. Yeah, that's a good point. But still, I they Batman would have had to have flushed the. Batmobile design <laughs> down the toilet what, for the penguin say? to get all of it. You, you flush, flush it, it and I do what? You flaunt I it. I find it or I just man when yeah, he's like hi, I'm so, I'm his hand. I'm Fred's hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like how when he goes to shake his hand and when they come to the agreement, he puts oh Fred's hand up there and just leaves it. <laughs> it's just I mean, that's the thing I would leave it with. I know we're here to talk about it, but I mean it's just a Definitely watch it again if it's been a while since you've seen it, because every scene is rich. Everything is layered. It's it's yeah. just such a good movie. So uh, I want to mention one more thing. We, we okay. talked earlier about Paul Rubens uh, being the dad in this, and uh, he had such a good time doing it that he came back to be Penguin's dad in Gotham. 
a TV it. series. How was how was that? I heard his performance there was good. I I enjoy Gotham as a whole, but you know it's it's as good as it's going to be for network TV. Yeah. Uh, Brian, are there any sweet treats in uh, Batman? Uh, I think everything pretty much comes out. Uh, I suppose the the sweetest treat is a tie between the fact that all three of the characters are a kind of a stage of the duality of you know, them themselves, you know, splitting into new forms of their, their new life or whatever. But I think the sweetest treat is just Michelle Pfeiffer in the Catwoman outfit, I'm afraid. I gotta yeah. say. And learning about not eating mistletoe. Yeah, don't eat it. It's deadly. Yeah. Uh, so you've got Batman Returns. What are you pairing it with, Zach? If I have, I, man, you're going to have to come back to me. I haven't thought okay. about it. Enough. But Brian, well, go ahead. Uh, funny enough, I did pair this with something. I watched uh, what uh, our next movie is going to be, actually. So I and I suggest watching this. Uh, which one? Well, I mean, I watched this one first. So I I paired. I did Batman Returns, and then I did Scrooged. And when you uh, watch this movie, and then you watch Scrooge, you'll immediately see a connection, which is. Elfman did the we'll music talk about it next week. Yeah, <laughs> just saying. Okay, I, I will cop out. I will go with I will watch the original uh, Tim Burton Michael Keaton Batman, and then I will follow it up with this one. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're both they're they're good to watch together. So I think I'll uh, when you're doing a movie like this. Um, you can either go with more Batman stuff. You might think maybe like Mask of the Phantasm for the evening. Uh, I think I would go with my second Burton Christmas feature that I like uh, to go to with Edward Scissorhands. Ah. Uh, you know, it's just right in that prime um, snow oh. falling on, on goth areas with dark people trying to figure out who they are in the world. I, yeah. A good excuse to watch the two of those is is welcome. Plus, tight leather on a body with lots of zippers or scratch. Edward's yeah. Edward's suit is a lot like Selena's Catwoman suit, so you know. You yeah, there's too. some link mm -hmm. up there. There's a there's a lot more uh, Mary Kay in the other one, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's pink. <laughs> yeah, a lot more pink. Ah, oh, man. I love Edward Scissorhands and the aesthetic on it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk rankings. Um, Lost Remote Podcast. We declare the greatest movie of all time based on movies we've seen. Current greatest movie of all time, Fright Night. Um, alone <laughs> in the lead. Zach, your current top three are Evil Dead, Fright Night, and Poltergeist. Does Batman Returns fit in the top three? Oh, man. Uh, it's okay if it doesn't. Yeah. It's not going to fall into my top three. I, oh, okay. I, I enjoy it, but it's That's fine. It, it's just not one of my top three. So it'll come, probably come in at number four. What's number four okay. for me now? The Blob? Blob. Yeah, I'd, rather, I'd watch oh, Batman Returns blob. over the Blob. Blob was okay. living so large for so long. <laughs> It's fallen so fast. 
Brian, do you want yep. me to go first, or you uh, want to go next? Well, I mean, I'll, I, I might as well. Um, You've got Poltergeist. Yeah. Return to Oz, and the typo's still there, the blog. The blog. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm afraid... <laughs> Bad news for the blob again, because out of all the movies we've watched, uh, Batman Returns is my number one. Yeah. So Batman Returns, Poltergeist, Return to Oz. I like that top three, I'm afraid. Not bad. Uh, unquestionable Batman Returns is my number one here. Uh-oh. Uh, it'll... I, you know, I don't know what we'll pull out down the road, but it's... You know, it's I got a feeling. I, more... I got a feeling Batman Returns is going to be up there for a while. It, it just could be. It's you know, at some point maybe I'll go like, yeah, I was more and more of a horror mood or something like that. But it's just, mm-hmm. it's an all timer for me. It's got all the elements I want. Yeah. In a movie experience, it's got uh, when you've got the connection with such a good character executed so well. I mean, we didn't even really touch on how good Keaton is in the character and things like that. It just, Oh yeah. It just, it, it just goes on un, unspoken. That's like talk. If you, if you want to really talk about that, the little, you know, like I said, he's a, he's a well-adjusted character in this, in the first yeah. one. He's not, I mean, he hangs upside down for shits and giggles in the first one. It's freaking Vicky out, you know? Okay. Yep. So my top three, cause I kind of, you know, open the envelope early there had been Fright Night, Return to Oz, and Blob. Now we're at Batman Returns, Fright Night, Return to Oz. Uh, Batman Returns, now the greatest movie of all time. Um, Coming in second is is Fright Night. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. No, so... uh, Both movies with bats. Yeah. No, this just doesn't... I mean, for me, this... um, I prefer to watch Evil Dead, Poltergeist, and uh, Fright Night. Sure. I, 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 I really like this movie, so I'm not disparaging and saying it's a bad film. I really enjoyed it. It was good to watch it. I hadn't seen it in probably 15 years, so it was fun to watch it again. We're at eight episodes now. I mean, there's enough body of work that it's more just like taste profile will show oh, there. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to watch this one because it was Christmas and just to see, you know, I it's one I'll turn on most Christmas seasons and have it at least on in the background. Um, but I wanted to give it a new watch and stuff like that. It just, again, like I said, it's 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 on that all-time echelon for me uh, with DeVito's performance, with Pfeiffer getting added in there, with how good Keaton is in the role, with how warm the Alfred is that they used for these movies. It just, it's all so good for me, to me. Yep. So, like, yeah. Yeah, full disclosure for everybody at home. Like, I've... I'm a huge fan of Batman. Not a fanatic, but I, I do enjoy Batman. And I've even got a tattoo of this particular Batman's symbol on my arm. So, you know, it, it's going to take something pretty good to take it off my number one. But I'm not saying it's not impossible. I mean, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> we'll be... As we approach the holidays, uh, Zach, have you decided, are you going to try to get a, a Christmas-related movie in, or are we just going to kind of keep schedule? Uh, we will keep the schedule that we're doing here, So, um, which will release what we're going to do for Christmas week next week. Sure. I just didn't know if you wanted to. Uh, yeah, so we can talk about what we're coming up with there. Um, we will have, as Brian alluded to, the following week we'll be talking about Scrooged. Um, and then, of course, we're 
quickly approaching the end of the year. Uh, when this podcast release, which should be this Friday, uh, that night I will, of course, be watching Shudder when Joe Bob Saves Christmas, a double feature featuring killer Santas and implements of destruction and things like that. The movies are always a surprise. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, what are some other... Hmm. Man, I would want to talk about what we'd think about watching, but that is going to be one of our discussions coming up. Yeah. Yep. I do... Uh, I will also be continuing to make appearances on the Useless Knowledge podcast with my buddy Casey. Um, we'll be talking about a couple different things. We're talking Halloween H2O on this week's episode. Um, so that's something else. Anybody else, anything in the anything to shout out or things you want to call attention to? Not that I can recall. I think I'm pretty good. No, uh, I'm fine. Fantastic. Oh, uh, by the way, Evil Dead is still at the bottom of my list, I think. <laughs> Do we want to talk the actual full eight real quick? No. Or go when we get to ten, we'll ten. talk about the ten's ten. a good, good. Yeah, we go full ten. rankings. A couple more Top weeks, four. so yeah. Big ten, <laughs> big ten, big ten movies. Yeah, we'll we'll hand out our awards and Michelle Pfeiffer will receive an envelope and be like, "What is this for?" <laughs> Best actress in our favorite movie that Zach put in the middle. <laughs> Hey, you know, this was a good, successful movie. I mean, they estimated it cost them $80 million to make. It made something like 260 globally, well, let's, so, let's and fair. box office. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of that tends to be because the previous movie w did so well. No, no, it made a lot of people. It made it better. Yeah, I, it, like, that's movie. usually how it works, is if the, like, we, I think, did we talk about this? I think the, that's more of a horror movie effect than this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I, think, it, I don't it think it's more of a horror movie. I think it's every movie. Yeah, like that. there's 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 a bit of a there's the percentages may vary based on genre, but it is something that happens. And people generally, I I think people don't like to go see as many sequels because of the fact that you know the quality is going to be less. I mean, there's not very many sequels that are as great as the original, and so I think you a, a lot of people feel that they're going to fall into the same kind of movie, or they just wait. Especially back then, they'd wait for it to come out on VHS or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It just it made about the same. The first first was just such a big oh. impact. I just don't think yeah. it got as much of a carryover. I remember being being like, ah, I just think it was darker. Like all the things Brian touched on, it was more layered than the first. And I, I think as people kind of caught wind of that, it slowed down a little. But yeah, I mean, it did well, great. But it did. Yeah. But it also, I wish we could get could have gotten a third from Burton, maybe. Uh, it probably would have made the franchise a lot better. I'm going yeah, they this. Warner Brothers. I don't think he was willing to make it without Keaton, and Keaton wasn't willing to make it without him. And uh, the studio was not happy with paying Keaton like twelve million to be Batman again. So dumb decision. Yeah. Yeah. We can get anybody to wear the rubber mask. Oh, 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 oh Freddy too. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, one thing that could have, I mean, have you looked to see when this movie was released, the actual release date of it? Uh, it was I look, it's like 90s. June, June of 92. Yeah. Should have done so, Christmas, yeah. Yeah, they didn't capitalize on, your, you have a big focus on Christmas. You should have tried that to push it towards weird. the, but Christmas. you don't really want to release a lot of stuff in fourth quarter because that's when people are a lot tighter with their money. So. Yeah, but the Christmas toys, I remember getting the toys. 
Z2. stand out to you as a big... Um, I mean, of course, they might do it as a summer tentpole just so you're wanting those toys at Christmas, whereas if it could have been a thing. three weeks before Christmas, it's a hard sell. But do you remember many big movies around the Christmas season before Lord of the Rings as far as like just absolutely breaking in the do- I mean, I guess mm-hmm. uh, let me take that back because that's a stupid sentence. Star Wars stuff always released around Christmas, but there was a large gap of not having Star Wars stuff. That is not really true, because if you go back whenever they did episode one, two and episode episodes one, two and three, which when did episode one come out? Ninety nine, I believe that was all in May. Is when they released those March, April, May, something like that is when they I always thought it was is when they came out. Now, lately, since they've uh, Disney's taken over the property, they've been a December release. All I got to say is they really should have at least aimed for uh, Thanksgiving. That yeah, the point, sweet point I was making is like it always seemed like December was always more like Oscar movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so but, so he, here's the reason they could have also done it in the summer, because if it, releasing this in June would have put it out on a VHS or at the time VHS in November or December. So then you have the capitalization of getting both the to sell the home video of it and the toys. Did they? Is the window that quick? I mean, maybe six months. I don't remember it being that quick back then. It always seemed yes. to take forever. It was six months. It was because it's been typically six months to VHS and one year to uh, to premium channels. So Warner did do okay in the Thanksgiving holiday. Would you like to hear what 1992 Warner Brothers was? Sure. Uh, Thanksgiving, it looks like uh, November 25th, The Bodyguard. So they did all right. They made Uh, some money on The Bodyguard. mm -hmm. I remember that one had quite a few bucks going its way. Maybe that's why the release was different. Don't well. So the number two highest grossing. So here's the box office from '92. Okay. Uh, I'll go backwards. Number ten, Wayne's World. <laughs> number nine, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ooh, oh, great. that movie's awesome. Sister Act. Number <laughs> seven, A Few Good Men. Number six, Batman Returns. Awesome showing. That's, number five. Yeah. Also Warner Brothers, Lethal Weapon 3. They had five and six on the thing, so they're doing great. Number four, Basic Instinct. Number three, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Number two, The Bodyguard. That movie raked in the cash. So yeah, they absolutely did not need it in that winter window. And number one was Aladdin. Wow, that was quite a year. Yeah. For people to watch movies. Yeah, 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 folks. These were this was the golden age, eighties and nineties, golden age of going to see movies. I swear. Yeah. You just had so much. You had a glutton every year of just stuff to go see. Well, and they weren't trying to produce a movie. Put, I mean, you know, you had studios that were banking on one or two, maybe three big movies for the year, mm-hmm. and they weren't trying to put out five movies every Friday. You know, they weren't trying to release so many movies a year. Oh. So anyway, so that was just to just to illustrate that yes, the timing feels like it would have made more sense to put it out at Christmas, but they cleaned up at Christmas. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I was curious, why would they have not looked at that window? And uh, yeah, you kind of well, go with less action. Action was for the summer, always only for the summer. Yeah, the um, the blockbusters are the su- are a summer thing. Yeah. So. Good year. Wow. Yeah. 
all right i think i think we've kind of talked about this again it's funny like there's a lot to talk about so it feels like there's almost too much to actually focus in on anything and i know we we tried but at some places it's like man there's so much we didn't get to discuss with it but man the movie just rocks um brian you want to take us home Sure, this one's going to be a short one. Uh, if someone tells you they're a talent scout, it's probably not true. Oh. <laughs> and if the camera looks like a batarang, yeah. and the tiny penguin fish man is swinging it at your head, yeah. dodge or something. I, I know we kind of hijacked yours, but no, you're right. Uh, uh, so, by yeah. the way, also... No, 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 it's fine. This one, that I just was like, there's so there's so many like serious downer PSAs <laughs> I could do about this movie. Like, but I was like, uh-uh. It, the PSA is supposed to be some fun, fun times, yeah. and that was pretty and, funny. Don't. And we missed this part, this quote. First, I light the tree, then push the button. No. <laughs> I light the button, oh. push the button, and then the tree lights up. Right. Hey, uh, Brian, give us the PSA on first you light the tree, then you push the button. All right, folks. <laughs> first, you light the tree. <laughs> then you push the button. Nope. I don't think so. <laughs> the button lights the tree. Always remember, the big button lights the big tree. It probably won't be filled with bats, but you never know. Have a Merry Christmas. <laughs>